Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1970s Five Easy Pieces, directed by Bob Rafelson and starring Jack Nicholson and Karen Black. But before we do that, we have an announcement we want to make. So, Dave, why don't you let everybody know? Yes. Uh, well, we're going to be having a, a, a new uh, feature on Dudes on Movies coming real, real, real soon. Um, it's going to be a miniature documentary about the Hayes Code. And uh, if you guys like this stuff, um, I, I know I think you well, we think you will like it, and we're going to be doing a lot more of it um, in the coming months and everything. So please look out for it. Yeah, special bonus episodes. Yes, which uh, go into movie history. Yes, and it's not this format; it's all scripted, and it's going to be produced with music and things like that. And we've wrapped on recording. We're doing a first pass at editing and uh, sound design. So uh, there's no exact date yet but it'll be coming soon right uh we're really excited about it and we know you guys are going to like it um it's you know it's going to be a whole series on hollywood history starting with the Hayes code because that's that's kind of where everything gets uh gets going and you know we love the code yes. here on dudes on movies <laughs> we sure <so>. do <laughs> we live by it so. we do we live and die by the code um so that's that's super exciting right um we'll keep you guys updated as uh things develop yes so now why don't we get into what we've been watching dave what have you been watching um i had like you know 75 to 100 legit lols with a rewatch of hot fuzz oh dude yeah you know Mm -hmm. it is it is a a masterpiece It, it is one of the best movies ever made it's so funny in ways you never see films be funny i know like there are it has probably the funniest shot of all time yeah, um, which it's, one? It's where like Patty. It's where the two Andys are like you know looking at uh, at Nicholas, you know, and they're they're giving him kind of the stink face, and uh, <laughs> Patty Considine fades away like screen left, and then he comes back, and like you know, it, it, he, he just comes back into the frame. It's it's a funny shot, dude. You I know? have to rewatch it. I oh, have to man. rewatch this. It and and like it's a joke every thirty sec. It's a joke. Well, five jokes every thirty seconds. Yeah. But it's not like Mad Magazine. It doesn't beat you over the head. It's consistently just you just can't breathe. Right. You know. One of my favorite things in the movie is when they're having that fight at the end, and it's like a Godzilla. It's a movie. big kaiju it's fight. So yes. funny. I know. <laughs> and just to see Timothy and all the Timothy Dalton and all these other yeah. distinguished you know actors like get to just like. You know, like be in a in a raucous comedy like this. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. cool. We have an episode on it if people want to hear us talk about it. Yes. So go back and find that. I, I need to watch more comedies, Dave, because I'm watching things like The Platform, which is on Netflix. <laughs> okay, yeah. Have you seen this? I have um, not seen it okay. yet. Okay. It's from 2019, and it's, it's a Spanish NC-17 sci-fi, like horror social commentary type film. Hmm. Uh, it reminds me a lot of like Cube. It's contained in a small space. Okay. But basically, it's about... A prison tower, I guess, of floors. You're in a room that's like maybe 15 by 15 with a big hole in the middle. And it's just endless, you know, up and down this tower. And on the platform, starting at the top, it's filled with food. And it stops at each floor for about a minute. And as it goes down, you know, the people lower have less and less food. And the people above them could be like shitting on it and just barfing on it. Right. You know, doing whatever they want. It's really about like class, yeah. Of you course. know, uh, quite literally, there's people who are above you and below you. Yep. Uh, so it's kind of direct in that way. It's not an amazing film, but it is interesting and it's a unique idea. Um, and they they try to like bring uh, equality, you know, like 
telling people, hey, save food for people, you know, things, don't just eat as much as you can, things like that. And, right. You know, it, and it gets kind of nasty. And it, <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's NC-17. It's, yeah. It's a sci-fi, like, horror movie in a way. And uh, it's interesting. I don't love it, though. It's okay. But if that sounds interesting to you, maybe give it a watch. Well, it, it does sound interesting to me because th- those are those are messages that I feel are very important. Yes. And I, I definitely need to have seen this because, like, it's it speaks to exactly how what my beliefs are. I mean, obviously. Yeah, it's a... And, it's just not executed perfectly. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it is interesting. Well, it sounds like a more artfully done version of what Sala was trying to do. Yeah, you know? yeah, it could be. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, Dave, let's talk about a very important movie, mm-hmm. Five Easy Pieces. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Sure. Um, so this is uh, Bob Ravelson and Carol Eastman's uh, story of Bobby Dupea, um, a guy who does some really exhausting work as a roughneck in Bakersfield. And from his irritable demeanor, we find out pretty early that he's not totally satisfied with his life, which manifests itself in mistreating everyone around him. And there's a lot of reasons for this behavior, but chief among them is that he, we come to find out he grew up in a cultivated upper crust environment where he, his siblings, and his father were classically trained musicians, which he's doing everything he can to run away from. Um, as you said, it's a very in, uh, famous and important film that helped usher in the new American renaissance in cinema. So that's why we're going to break it down for you today. Yeah, it's and personally to me, this film was probably the first film I watched that opened my eyes to what movies could be. Okay. Instead of just, hey, there's a hero, there's a bad guy, that kind of stuff. Yes. I was probably, oof, I just had my first apartment. I moved out of my dad's house. Oh, man, you're pretty This young, was yeah. on demand okay. on cable. And I put it on. I was like, hey, an old Jack Nicholson movie. I'll try this out. And then from there, it was just, whoa, this is a uh, cinematic journey I'm going down now. Right. So, yeah, this movie, personally... I would say it's the first actual artful movie I ever watched and understood. Well, that that's awesome, man. <laughs> um, I, I I had some memories of, of that also where I, I remember watching it with like with my dad when I was about 11 years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it. I didn't quite understand it at the time. Yeah. Of course, I wasn't ready to, to, to digest it like you were, you know? And yeah. um, I watched it years later after I grew up and I had kind of the same experience, you know? Right. Where... Um, I mean, for me, this movie highlights some of the most glaring changes seen in American film, you oh. know? I mean, just compare it to, like, the look and feel of this movie to something like Hello, Dolly! that was made, like, you know, a year before that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a really jarring shift. Um, even though filmmakers at this time were raised on classic Hollywood, you can tell that most of their influence is coming from European and Asian cinema, mm-hmm. where modernity and realism were much more prominent. And, like, it's on display here. Oh, the, the look of the film is so... Di- it's dirty. Yes. It's dark. It's not bright. Technicolor and no. fancy dancing and stuff. It's just real life dirt. There is no, um, there, there's nothing about this that's glamorous. You know, it, it just it just fully feels lived in, and this is what yeah. real life is like. And this is what the '70s brought in America. I right. Mean, it started in the '60s, but I mean, a, a lot of this was with the production company that Bob Rafelson started, BBS. Right. He and Bert Schneider. I and believe it was they, Steve Blonner. Yeah, yeah. They they started this company and they put out all these classics that changed the way movies are made and done and yeah. loved. I mean, Easy Rider and this and like King of Marvin Gardens. Right. They just plopped these things out. I know. And they gave directors just free reign. Like once it's all ready to go, you're in charge, buddy. And BBS like influenced the, even the majors, like like Paramount and, yeah. and MGM. I mean, they all kind of took this same model and started like for a good ten years there. I mean, 
imagine a Hollywood where filmmakers were in charge. Yeah. They, they, they all had final cut. They all got to do whatever they wanted. And it wasn't until, like, you know, they started publishing box office receipts that everything changed. Yeah, they made a lot of money on these things, dude. They did. They made tons. But they, but they also, like, you know, once, once they, um, I guess... Once, like, Jaws came in, and, of course, you know, uh, Star Wars, then... Yeah. And it's not... I'm not saying it's the fault of, of, like, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, because they were part of this movement, too. But it's just yes. that, like, company town papers, like The Hollywood Reporter and Variety started, you know, like, actually printing, hey, it made this much money. So that means that, like, the people who were actually running the studio said, oh, this is what we need to be focusing on. Right. You know, it's... Uh, it's we can't make a modest hit. We need to make a giant right. blockbuster tentpole, yep. you know? And I mean, this this was right after the Hays Code, yes. bringing it back around, everybody. That's it, exactly. <laughs> this is what, yeah, ex- that's Things perfect, changed. dude. Yeah, this is what you get. Like, when, when they broke the code, I mean, like, it just happened overnight. We get this stuff. Not saying old Hollywood stuff is bad. No. But this is great. This is, exactly, like, like just like the filmmakers. I mean, like, classic Hollywood, it's it's the movies. We love it. You know, but, but this, like, feels like your life. It does. You know? And unfortunately... Bobby Dupea reminds me of myself a little bit. And he probably reminds a lot of people, at least, you know, a little part of yourself. Like, oh, I've kind of acted like that a few times. I know. Not all the time like this guy does. But, man, yeah, I've probably been a little arrogant and (laughs) a little bit of an asshole a few times. Of course. Yes. Uh, a little bit up your own ass. Yeah, uh, you thinking know. I'm better than someone. Exactly. Um, uh, running yeah. from my feelings. Right. Wanting to be loved without giving any love. That kind of, I mean, I've been here. Yeah, there's unfortunately some <laughs> Bobby DuPaya in all of us. Yes. Um, and, and it's really hard when, when something like, when a movie holds up a mirror, um, because, you know, yeah, obviously Man, you feel implicated. Yeah. God, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good, everybody. All right, so let's get into it. Right. So it opens up, at, we're on an oil rig, right? These, yep. The roughnecks are out there working, <laughs> and uh, Jack Nicholson is there. That's that's Bobby. Robert, as his family calls him. Right. Robert <laughs> Eroica Dupea. That's his middle name? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is stuffy. Yes, it is. <laughs> so it, it, he's doing a hard day's work. I mean, you're out in those oil fields all day. That's tough. It's backbreaking stuff, man. So when you find out later where he comes from, like- right. He's trying to get away from that for sure. You know, it's weird. I mean, like, and yeah, he 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 wants to be not only he wants to not only does he want to be and and like work as a roughneck, but he even tries to like take on the physical mannerisms of the other guys. Yeah, you know, um, like you said about his background. I mean, you probably noticed that early in the film, he tries to sound really country when he's talking to Elton. Yeah, um, or when he's playing poker. It's a strange part of like being an intellectual sometimes that they they, they sometimes study the blue collar lifestyle and find nobility in it. Yeah, um, but which itself is a really perverted form of privilege yeah um but when you know he's amongst the other guys who have taken him into their circle he feels superior and when he gets mad at elton for rightly calling him out on his treatment of ray and his genuine feelings are revealed it's very ugly yes he can't be called out no like you learn later like that's probably why there's this crack with his father you know and all the rest of his family just he can't accept any criticism and he can't be respectful in most situations either. No. He's so far up his ass, like you said earlier. Um, there's a great, like, I love the speech aspect you're talking about. Because later when he's back home and he's talking, he's using, like, proper grammar oh, yeah. and all this stuff. He's, like, just phrasing things that I hear people every day just saying wrong. 
I know because I'm a grammar nerd, but like <laughs> yeah. I paid attention in my classes, but like <laughs> and gave a shit. Right. But uh, when he says stuff, I'm like, wow. Yeah, he wasn't saying that earlier in the film. No. And he even he's even wearing like turtlenecks and things later when he's back home. His his hair <laughs> changes. Yeah, yeah, he looks I mean, he yeah. looks like part of high society there. And it's he's even got these like, nice boots on. I know. Even <laughs> when he goes to visit Partita at the studio, yeah. um he he like changes back into his into the, the He's in a suit? Yeah. Yeah. He really is like when, whenever he whenever we see him like working in the fields and and even going bowling and hanging out with uh, with Elton and Stoney, yeah. like they're all uh, like, th- there's something about this that looks insincere. Like that, you, you can tell that, that this is not really him, even before you know what he comes from. Yeah, he's, the, there's yeah. something that's like affected about him. Like something's wrong with him. Right. Like he's, you can tell. I mean, he, no one's always this angry and annoyed. I know. Unless there's something, something up. Exactly. Unless they're cosplaying as a blue collar yeah, right? worker. You yeah. know, it's Halloween for him every day, <laughs> <Yes>. man. <laughs> and when you're trying to keep that up, it, uh. it's. It's really difficult. Yes. And when you have to try and pretend to, to, to be happy when you're not, um, you know, obviously that's going to come out in, in horrible yeah, ways. I'm curious if, if like any of his friends even know his background. I don't anything. think so. Or does Elton know that he comes from money? Nope. Uh, At least Ray, it's not said. I think Rayette probably does. It's Karen Black. Right. She's wonderful. She's she's just as good as Nicholson. I what mean, a performance. Together in this film, it's yes. dynamite. And she has even the more thankless role of like yeah. trying to play someone who is like, you know, like obviously, you know, someone who's she's a little not very smart. Exactly. You know? She's unschooled and, and she's, you know, she can be like her character kind of annoys people she sometimes. She just speaks and, her mind all the time. Yeah, exactly. And it, she's definitely not from the high society that Jack Nicholson's from. And she's real. Right. You know, and, yeah. and that's why she's and that's, of course, why even if she is all those things that we just said, you know, yeah. that's why she's better than Bobby. Because and she's almost, herself. Right. And they almost didn't cast her because she wasn't dumb enough is what I, Bob, I know. Bob Rafelson told her. Like, I know you're not dumb enough. Right. To play to play Rayette. Which and is she's so like, well, crazy. just cast me and I'll show you. <laughs> I, I read yeah. that she said, Bob, whenever you say action, I'll just stop thinking. Yes. She, yeah, that's exactly what she told him. <laughs> And she does it. She I mean, pulls it off. She, she won a Golden Globe, I think, for yes. this. And she was nominated for the Oscar. Yeah, the, the the movie itself, I think, had four nominations yes. at the Academy Awards: Jack Nicholson and Best Picture, and right? Screenplay, which my favorite category. Everybody, if you got a screenplay nom, it's probably a good movie. Yes. Probably not yes. always. Agree, but yeah. Um, but yeah, he comes home here right after a hard day's work. He's got a six pack. He's ready to just come and relax. And Rayette's playing this song on the. Uh, record player right. that, that he just hates yes and it's tammy why not stand yeah, by me stand yeah stand, stand by, by your, your man me. yeah stand by me it's not that <laughs> it's Dave. not that sorry <laughs> um yeah it's stand by your man which i think's a great song I, but, i'm uh, a huge tammy but Wynette he apparently fan, yeah. hates it and thinks it's awful which is weird why is he right off the bat it's like why does he hate this music and why is he so mean to rayette that she wants to sing and it's because we find out he has a musical background. Right. And the idea, I mean, it, God, if he did this for real and he treated people with respect and he used his talent for music to collaborate with Rayette, he'd be someone you could admire. Right. You know, uh, but he's so damned arrogant for the, for most of the movie, you can't stand to be around him. And and this in particular, like, like taking the, 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 the Tammy Wynette record and just saying it's trash. I mean, yeah. like that, that shows that you are, you have your nose so high in the air that you can't appreciate like another form of great art. Right. He comes from a world where 
maybe they wouldn't think this is quality music. You right. Know? If it's not Mozart, you know, it's trash. But but he's trying to get away from that. You know, like I know with all his actions and everything he says, why would he think this music's trash? Unless he thinks all music is trash now. That that could be part of it. Yeah. Um, have you ever like I, I've I don't I don't know any I can't give any names, but I, I've I've sat and like I've I've heard um, you know kind of musicologists talk about like who come from the world that Bobby does, who actually have a brain and yeah. they they can listen to like other music and and appreciate it exactly, yeah. and they'll say something like you know I, I bet if Mozart was was around today he'd probably be an Iron Maiden you know oh yeah because it's like he'd it's, be shredding exactly because it's it's melodic and virtuosic yeah you know and like when you hear Tammy Wynette and you hear that like heartbreak in her voice yeah um and you you hear like just the kind of the it's almost like the 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 difference between old Hollywood and new yeah you know it's the same uh, difference and, and when you have someone come in and just like immediately like uh, like shit on it. I mean that that that's a statement. That's never a good approach for anything in life, people. Absolutely. I not. mean, maybe there's some things you could be that way about, but it's like <laughs> music, maybe not. No, really. I mean, if if you if you totally dismiss any genre of music, like whenever I I used to hear I it used all the to time, be like that. I, I yeah. I mean, I, I used to hear it from adults when I was a kid about like oh I you know like. Like no, no one who, who who was like you know my parents' age could yeah. stand hip hop of any. I kind, know, right? You yep. know, uh, and it's just oh man, it used to drive like, everybody are you kidding nuts. Me? Drive me nuts, yeah. And I, I used to be like, oh, I hate country music. I still don't love it, but like <laughs> I was so like black and white about things. Right now, I'm so much more. It's it's a there's a gray scale, you yeah, know. Yeah, of course. So I can accept things. Um, <laughs> and right at the beginning here too, you see like he can't even tell Rayette that he loves her. Like, he won't oh, even say it. I know. She keeps fishing for him to say it. And he's, she's like, if you, t- I'll do anything, you know. She's getting kind of sexy with him. Like, I'll do anything you want. Right. If you tell me you love me. And he's like, go and sing the song. The thing we just found out he hates the most is when she's singing this song. He'd rather her do that than say I love you. This guy is an asshole. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's so abusive to her. I know. Like, he never gets physically abusive to her, but he is mentally abusing the shit out of Rayette. Like, I mean, she is so broken from him. It, and it's all day long. It's it's every Constant. interaction they have, and it makes you so uncomfortable. Yep. Because, like, like, she is, like, so kind of... What she, what she said about how, you know, do you love me? And, and trying to get him to say it. It's, it's a pathetic thing when you try to get someone to say that they love you. Yeah. You know, because if, if they're not saying it of, of their own volition yeah. then then i mean you know you are you're, you're losing a lot of your life yep and and, and when you spend all, all day in bed like we see later in the film i mean good lord that that's yeah that's just a, that's a horrible miserable way to live it's awful man and he's constantly berating her just about anything and constantly threatening to leave and uh just they're not are they married no i didn't think so no they're not married okay and like there's even like she, when she's in the bed he's like He's like, I'm leaving. I'm going up to see my parents, and you're not coming. You're going to be gone anyway. Like, right. He keeps su- suggesting she should leave. I know. How abusive are these? Pe- and she does some similar things to him, but he's the main thrust of it. Well, yeah. I mean, because like, like she, she it, plays it, the victim sometimes. I know exactly like, intentionally to yeah. get him to do something. Which, which I mean, like. Obviously, that, that that comes from a, f- a place of vulnerability, yeah. and and you know, just the the uh, it comes from the patriarchy, of course. And like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a l- t- so many relationships out there that are like this exactly. And like, instead of parting ways, which would be the 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 adult mature thing to do, right. like understanding that, that this is never going to work. Yeah. Um, I have I treat you with you know the, the man treats her with contempt. 
they stay together because they're yeah. just trying to get that love, you know. And I mean, I oh, it, it it'll never stop. I mean, I'll I'll never stop wondering about it. I'll never stop being like bust up about it. You know. I know. And later in the film, she says like, "No one's gonna love you like I love you." Yeah, which is true. I man. know. And that's probably why he stays with her because that's the only love he's ever getting. Right. Because no one's gonna love this guy, which is what Catherine tells him later <laughs> yes. in the film. Yes. I can't be with you just because you suck. Man. Exactly. <laughs> it's you. Yeah. It's not the situation. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they go out bowling, right? <laughs> and. Wouldn't you know it? Rayette is horrible, and it's really, really getting under Bobby's skin. I mean, like Rayette being a bad bowler was one of the more predictable elements of the film. It's first so time I funny saw it, though, you know? too. And, 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 and you just, you just like, you know that the, when he says we're going bowling, I was like picturing, I was like, oh no, I, we just saw him being mean to her at home. Yeah. So you know she's gonna suck at this, and he's gonna really <laughs> be really pissed. Yeah, and the whole time she's like, you're not mad at me, Bobby, are you? And he's just like, no, I'm not mad at you. And he's fuming. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> and he keeps losing at bowling. Saying these underhanded comments. <sighs> she gets a strike on at the end of the game. And he's like, great. You just, that's just wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. You know? <laughs> Gutter balls the whole time. And on the last frame, you get a strike. You, don't, you can't talk to people like this, I know, man. I know. You can't talk to people like this. You certainly shouldn't talk to your your uh, lady friend. You could like be this. teasing your friend, you know, yeah, or something course. like that. That's different. When you're talking right. trash, yeah, yeah, everybody's okay with it. But when you're serious, I, I guess he's, I know he's he's really mad about this. It is funny though to see her hit that strike, and I you're know. like, oh my god, that is pretty funny. <laughs> but when you're around, I, you know, his the friends there probably think it's awesome yeah but bobby can't handle it no yeah they're they're excited that she got the (laughs) strike they're glad they're like all right awesome final you guys you got a strike that's amazing and they were expecting bobby to react similarly like you know oh hey great job babe you know he would have rather her just hit another gutter ball (laughs) which is what is he uh, what what do you want what do you want bobby obviously he's competitive yeah like when he's doing this and he's playing poker gambling later in the movie He's got to win, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I find um, also a bit psychotic. That could be pressure coming you know? from his dad in the yeah. past. You know, yeah. you got to be a winner, and he just doesn't want to do what right. what his dad wants him to do. If you're and, a musical prodigy, yeah, you, you, there's a lot of pressure on. Right. You. Yeah. So that's probably where it stems from. Right. But he can't handle the pressure. And he, at this point, like like Stony and Elton and Rayette, they 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 leave. Um, he he asked them to take Rayette home and. Sally Struthers and and the other lady there. Yeah, they, they, Betty they, and Twinkie. Exactly, Betty and Twinkie. They're, they're bowling <laughs> in the lane next to him, and they start flirting with These him. These two a, babes come up. In a real weird scene. Um, they're coming on pretty strong here. They are, like, physically and just with... and just. I, I called yeah. it weird because of the stuff they say about how... They, are you the guy from TV, and are you really bald? Is this a comb-over and all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's a funny way of hitting on somebody. It is, it is. I mean, they're, they're trying to pull a Fredo, for sure. <laughs> They've yes, got to be. Sure are, <laughs> There's no doubt. <laughs> and he he's like, I would love to keep talking with you ladies, but <laughs> I have to go. And <laughs> right. I wish I had more time to talk to you girls. He says that like three times, and they keep going on about the wig and the car dealership commercials. <laughs> and, and he he plays along with them too. He's like, Oh yeah, I am that guy. Uh-huh. I wear the wig in public because uh, on TV you want to be honest with people. <laughs> and like, it's just like, yes. oh my, this what a jerk. You just treated yeah. your girlfriend. I don't know if they're fiancés or not. I, I don't know. I, don't, I think they're just girlfriend boy. Yeah. But you just treated her like shit, and now you're here flirting with these two women, man. 
this is this is there's the life of Bobby Dupain. Yeah, there's he might have some redeeming qualities, but not really. Not many. No, there's not many. He's he's a great musician, um, and that's about where it, it ends. See, you I know? wish that was the part of him that I saw in myself. Like, yeah, oh, I'm absolute, a great pianist. Exactly, you know, I can play yes. all these movements. Ladies there's five ge- easy pieces, I, I, man. I mean, look, <laughs> if, if you gave me the five easy pieces book, I could fake my way through it. You should hear my ham-fisted <laughs> piano playing, everybody. It's not Bobby Dupay, I'll tell it's you that. It's better than mine, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so he leaves, and Rayette's in the car just pouting right and you get more of this just verbal abuse he's like well i'm going to elton's house you can sit here right and she's like i or he says i hope no one's gonna hit on you or something she says i hope they do and he goes no one would you're too pathetic and she gives it back a little she's like no you're the pathetic one right I, i'm I was glad to hear that <laughs> this is where like yeah this is the, the the moment where you kind of like you, you're really proud of rayette for giving it back to him yeah and then know. he he comes to his senses for a second but really he's just being abusive and controlling the situation yeah, and controlling her gets in the car starts apologizing and yet he's like gaslighting her yeah, you know of course he gets her to smile or and they, they go yeah you know it's 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 really typical of abusive behavior yeah, yeah you, you just like it's manipulation and um and then the 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 whole thing of like when he pretends that he's going to leave her there and he's walks away. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen that done. I've, I've had it done to me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and if anybody ever actually followed through on it, that would be something, yeah. you know, but it, they never do because it's all just a game. Mm-hmm. And, um, to, to see him like, like engage in this and then, and then smash cut to that really unappealing sex party with him and, yeah. uh, Elton, Sally Struthers and Twinkie. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, this has got to be one of the most, I, this is some Bob Crane shit that's going down yeah. here. There's like horsey rides going on and they're, and they're singing <laughs> folk songs. Um, I, and, yep. and, you know, Sally Struthers tells that, that really bizarre story about the, the chin dimples. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about how you get your dimple because if, if God comes to look at you and doesn't like you, he pushes you away by your chin and causes a dimple. Why would you tell your kid that? <laughs> Apparently, it's affected her entire life. Of course. Because obviously, she tells a story about how she was she would cover her chin while she prayed because she didn't want God to see it. What? Wow. Talk he, about abuse there. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and talk about killing the mood at a sex party. Yeah. Uh, and then I mean, they kind of just snap back into it, start singing again. I mean, it's just <laughs> like, and I... I I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of like uh, just the idea of... of like being, you, you work so hard in that car to like, you know, uh, placate your girlfriend um, yeah. and, and make everything, you know, like tr- try to have some semblance of like domesticity or whatever. And, 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 and maybe you're going to change, but like, it was all bullshit. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a shred of truth to anything. I didn't believe anything he said to her. No, of course not. Even before that, you saw where he was going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even before I knew later, he's going over to Twinkie's house. Yes. Or right. <laughs> I love the name Twinkie. That's great. <laughs> Um, so we, we get a scene of them working on the rigs again and, uh, there's a traffic jam when they're leaving work, you know? Yes. And this is a great scene because you see Bobby getting just mad at everybody in the traffic jam. People are honking and he's getting mad at the people honking. He gets out of the car and he starts just acting crazy. He's been drinking, right? He's been drinking a little bit of whiskey. (sighs) You know, in the car. They are drinking and driving. El- like, Elton's playing this, like, ukulele, yeah. and they're drinking from this bottle, yep. like, in the car. I guess it's the late 60s, man. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. It was the Wild West, for sure. Yeah, so. 
But then it, he climbs in the back of this moving truck and starts playing the piano, which is so awesome. It's the first time you see this side of him. Yeah. You, from at the beginning, you hear him. They say something briefly about music with Rayette and him, but now you see like this guy's great. Right. He's he's up there playing Chopin or something. Like he's it is. killing it up there. Yeah. And <laughs> the truck drives away because he's. I guess he's not paying attention, or he just doesn't care. Right. And the truck drives off, and they leave Elton in the car on the highway. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It is a pivotal scene for many reasons. Number mm-hmm. one is like like you said about um, you know it's it's establishing what Bobby's real uh, what his what in yeah what he actually we comes learn from. we learn about his past like, right okay there's something going on because no one can just play this well no um, and on top of that I think that while this movie in general and this scene in particular starts to really show. Um, the the Jack Nicholson um this this is his first big film you know yes. like he was in Easy he was Rider leading it right but this is where he is like a leading man and the the persona that we would come to know and that would become iconic yeah. and just something that we all knew so well yeah um, is born here um, the eyebrow arches the uh, the attitude um, the the rebelliousness everything that, yeah. that like made him who he was I mean when he's standing in between the two cars with a hard hat on shouting at the dog yeah like the dog is barking that's at him and he's all- just barking back that image is that's that's Jack exactly exactly and 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 Jack as we <laughs> we saying in scare quotes didn't exist yet he's inventing him in this scene yep and. Um, to, to, to watch him stay on that truck playing Chopin as the truck not only goes away, but then goes off on the exit, like leaving yeah. Elton to just go to the job <laughs> site by himself. Yep. He has no idea where he's going. He's just going to keep playing piano. And, um, somehow he, I don't even know where he ends up. It's probably just in Baker's, like in downtown Bakersfield yeah. at the porno theater in the barber college. Mm-hmm. Um, just walking the streets. Yep. And he ends up at Ray's work. You know, her the diner she the works di- at. The little diner she And he walks in, yeah. and I love this touch. There, there's a little girl crying, and it's just, that's all you hear. It's incessant for like yeah. a, a minute and a half. And you, it sets the tone of the scene because, I mean, we know last night he was out having a four-way with Elton and Twinkie. And, <laughs> and Rayette's just there. Uh, leaning against the wall with her arms crossed, right. like I don't want to fucking see you. Why are you at my work? I mean, you know? I mean, she, she just looks that she won't even really look at him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other waitress, and this child like, is just wailing, and and like that's another touch of of like new Hollywood. You know, uh, mm-hmm. new Hollywood cinema is like the, the the child crying for for two minutes straight would have never flown exactly. in 1962. You know, right. No I mean, audience wants to hear that. No. Well, you're right. No one wants to hear a screaming no. child for two minutes straight, but. It suits the scene. And and art is supposed to reflect real life. Mm-hmm. So here we are. This is what life is, everybody. Yep. Kids are screaming in public, and everyone's trying to pretend it's not existing. Right. And it's not an accident they put this here. It's symbolism for how they're feeling. Absolutely. You know, they, they, they can't talk to each other, and all you hear is, is, is like, you know, hardship and grief. Yes. There you go, everybody. Mic drop. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then they, they're leaving the diner, and... He's like, I swear I was with Elton last night, which is true. And that's a true statement. Yeah. Um, but Twinkie and Bobby were there, whatever her name is. <laughs> Surely. Yeah. Uh, what it, is her name? I Hold on. I, Betty. I, I, Betty. Betty. Sorry. Yeah. Betty and Twinkie. See, I wish she had a, a different name, like like Pumpkin and Twinkie I mean, or something. yeah, it, it could have yeah. gone. Yeah. That maybe some other like yeah. hostess. Branded. Little Debbie. Yeah. And there and you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
um, and we, I guess, they're just having another normal everyday fight. I guess, and right. they they go home fine, whatever. And then we see a scene of them at Elton's place, and they're holding his baby. No oh, man, and Bobby doesn't want to. I man, mean, he does like... not want to hold this baby. You know what? Um, I realized just now when you brought this up, this is where I identify with Bobby is when <laughs> I, I'm asked to hold children. I become Bobby Dupea. And I'm, sh- I'm ashamed to say it, everybody. Yeah. I, but I, it's just not who I am. I, I don't do well with kids. Now, I'm going to like pretend. I'm not going to be like Bobby. Because uh, that's the thing. Uh, that's the one difference between all of us and Bobby <laughs> Dupea is I'm not rude. I will hold the child and I will make like, you know, yeah. funny faces and I'll, I'll play along. And I, I might not, I might even feel some love for the child. There you go. Uh, but, you know, in the end, I want to give it back. Um, you're, you're not going to say, no, I don't want to hold a baby. I don't like babies. No. I Your baby ne- sucks, exact, Elton. Exactly. Yes. I would never be that like uh, impolite. Right. And th- it's just a short, quick scene of them yeah. hanging out. And the next day, Elton tells Bobby that. Uh, they think Ray is pregnant. She said something to him. Mm-hmm. And that just, Bobby does not like that. You know, and Elton, like, uh, Billy Green Bush is the actor who plays him. And, like, he tries to, like, talk some sense into Bobby. Yeah. And, and like, really, at one point, like, he, he makes a, a really good speech about, uh, you know, how of all the things of, of all the bad things he's done in his life and the things that he is even like uh, the stunts he's pulled with Bobby, like the idea of Bobby leaving a pregnant woman, uh, just to, to fend for herself. Like yeah. that is totally dishonorable. And, yep. and he says it like just in no, he doesn't, you know, he, he says it fully directly. You know, this is, this, this is bad, Bobby. You can't do this. Right. You know, and he's not saying I don't like you right. anymore. Right. We're not friends anymore, but I know you. And I know that's probably what you're going to want to do. Right. And you shouldn't. Right. And and Bobby can't take it. Bobby calls him a, a white trash cracker asshole. Yeah. Um, living in a trailer park and that he would ever like deign to compare your right. life to mine. It makes him want to puke. Yeah. Keep on telling me about the good life. Just Oh, he gets he gets mean to him. Yeah. He gets mean to him, man. It, it's It's what he does because he is like... All of this, everything going on in his life, this life that he has like built for himself is a lie. He's running from what he really is. And it's all coming to a a boil because he was never prepared for it. And he has no intention of following through on any of it. It's all just a fantasy camp. Yeah. Yep. And he he doesn't know what he wants, man. Mm -hmm. Not at all. He wants to be loved. I know that. But he's he's a hard dude to love, that's for oh sure. Oh my god. I mean like th- there's never been anyone harder to love than Bobby <laughs> Dupreya. Maybe maybe Dave Portnoy or Elon Musk. Maybe. But but yeah, they, they, <laughs> yeah he, right. you know the, these but Bobby Dupreya is a bad bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't love him. Sorry, man. <laughs> and then this at this point he gets pissed and then he tries to quit and the foreman's like, "I don't care what you do." I know exactly. I, I <laughs> like I'm about to get rid of both you dumb guys. <laughs> 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 Which I love because that just shows like nobody likes this guy. No, I know. Good, get the fuck out of <laughs> <Exactly>. here. <laughs> I've had it with you, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> and also, just like in general, like like the I think the foreman would probably feel this way about most of his crew because the, 
all these guys are probably pretty miserable. Yeah. Um, and maybe he doesn't even like him to begin with, but he really doesn't like Bobby. You know? Bobby makes it very easy to yes. dislike him. Yes, he certainly does. He's not trying very hard to get on your good side. <laughs> and then these like FBI guys oh show up and these, arrest Elton. These two G-men <laughs> just out of nowhere, it like becomes there will be blood. It's really funny because it is out of nowhere. <laughs> but Bobby does run back to help Elton because he doesn't know what's going on. He just sees these guys in suits beating him up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Elton robbed a a movie theater or something. He robbed like a, a filling station. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a year ago, <laughs> and now the cops got him. He like jumped his bail. Yeah, and like now they got him a year later. I mean, it's just, dude. He's like, tell Stormy for me. Yeah, tell Stormy. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh. man. Like, yeah, tell my wife and child that I've been I've been arrested, and I'm I'm not going to see them for a decade or more. <laughs> Um, just, just tell them that. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, th- th- that's the life of a desperado in the oil fields of Bakersfield, yes, dude. you know? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where we see Bobby go and see his sister at the recording studio. Right. And now we see this other life that we've thought might've been a thing. Something's going on. Now we see what, what's happened, where he's coming from, where his history is. We Everything s- changes. You yeah. Know? The, like, the movie changes. Yeah. Because, I mean, like you said about his wardrobe change. I mean, like you even see yeah. it when he's getting off the freeway to, to like the, the exit um, off 101. And yeah. like you can see he's why is he wearing a turtleneck and a, and a, and a, a blazer with elbow patches? You yeah. know, um, oh, he's because he's going to see this 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 woman who we, we don't even know. Like you like what's what's the relationship? Yeah. We don't know what's happening. Right. We're like, is this another mistress of his or yes. something? No, it's his sister. She's she's in there recording a piece on piano and. She keeps humming while she does it, right, which is right. a funny thing. Yes, um, every, we all do these little things we don't notice when we're, especially when we're like hyper focused or something like that. And uh, she's humming while recording piano. Like that's not good. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> right. So everyone's giving her shit in the studio, and he. But Bobby's like, "Hey, tell her Bobby's here." And then we get the scene of them talking, and she's she misses him. Right. She adores Bobby. She's. His little sister, you know. This could be also where where maybe, maybe the one um, like the 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 redeeming qualities of Bobby come out because he's so he's so loving and 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 caring with his sister. That's true. You know? He's protective of her, right? Like that. Yes, this is one good quality he has, and he always is nice to her when when they're speaking. He he has he has fun with her. They they joke around. Yeah, uh, they have obviously have a really good relationship. Yeah, and uh, Partita is played by Lois Smith. And, you know, she is like, like, just like Bobby and we'll meet Carl later. They're a family of, you know, musicians yeah. and they, they came and their father was a compo- uh, a conductor. They're all hyper talented. Yes. Um, all, I mean, three child prodigies, you know, it's, yeah. it's really something. Yeah. Like it's amazing. Cause Carl was like a violinist and he hurt his neck. So he just decides to be a piano right. teacher now. Right. Like it, just world class piano. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I, I, I can't conceive of that kind of talent. You know, I mean, like I, I felt the same way when I watched Tar. I was like, imagine if your life was just nothing but this, and you could like <laughs> master every instrument. You know, I mean, I, I can't. I, it's, I, I, I remember reading that Prince can play, could play twenty seven different instruments. Jeez. Um, can you imagine that? I can. Not well. No. Me not either. even exactly. close to. Uh, it. No. No. I can 
toot a note on a horn maybe but that's it exactly pluck a string and it sounds like ass but i ain't i ain't i can't quote unquote play it no i I couldn't pick it up and just master it and and like be you know virtuosic with it no not Um, at all and like and by the way we we you know uh with bobby's middle name being eroica Mm -hmm. um i read they don't ever say it in the movie but in the credits Ralph Waite as Carl is listed as Carl Fidelio Dupea. Oh my gosh, dude. If, I mean, if <laughs> Carl went to an eyes wide shut party, he just have to give his government name and they'd be like, Oh, right this way, sir. Yeah. That's yeah. the secret You're right code. In. You're exactly. Right in. Tom Cruise is riding in yeah. on your coattail. And that's, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> he just come in and you know, like, yeah, Sidney Pollock would invite you right in. Betty and Twinkie will be there. I'm sure. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> hey, I'm Twinkie. Let me in. Okay. Right away. Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude so she tells him at this point that their father is sick he's had strokes he's in a wheelchair he can't speak anymore like right. he's he's gonna die soon like that's how she feels yeah and she convinces him to come visit he, he's a little hesitant at first but he says yes i definitely should you're right it's weird because she's suggesting this to him and he doesn't want to but he admits that he should you never see him do that at any point in the movie. No. At, to actually, like, taking advice from someone and knowing that his gut instinct is wrong and he should do the right thing. You never see him do that at any point. It says everything about his relationship with, with Partita. Yeah. I mean, he just, like, he, you know, this this is what he should be like with, with everyone in his life who loves him. But right. he's only this way with, with someone he respects. Imagine if he took the Elton's advice this way. Right. That would have been wonderful, man. I know. But no. What if can't. what if he showed Rayette even just like uh, a percentage of the love that he shows, you know, Partita? I right. Mean, it, it's like, you know, he he listens to what she says. And even if he like, you know, she, she wants him to like, you know, fly back with her like right now. Yeah. And he just, you know, fully says, well, he very nicely says, you know, I, I can't make it right now, but give me a couple of days yeah. and I'll drive up. He doesn't do like he would with Rayette where he would just go, no, I'm doing something else. You know, he just like very calmly explains the yeah. situation. Yeah. Like it's it's. Um, it's so weird to see because you're you're throughout this whole scene you're waiting for him to say something mean to her or, or be nasty and he never does because he obviously loves this person. Yes, and that is such a great choice with the screenplay. Like, yeah, because we could hate him more, but right. this makes him so much more complicated and interesting. I know, especially too with the way Partita is because I mean like the whole thing of her. Uh, humming during the recording, you know, she she's like she's she's playing this really complicated piece, and she's like, uh, she, unfortunately, why do they have a microphone in there with her? I mean, like, I know it's to capture the piano, yeah, but she's like humming along with the microphone. That's something that someone who's like, uh, probably now we we would diagnose it somehow. Yes, like it would be something. Maybe she's on the spectrum in some in some right. ways. Um, back then they didn't know about. It. They just thought she was an annoying lady. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. And amazingly, he, he follows through with yeah. what he says, which is yeah. awesome. He um, comes home. Rayette's in the bed. He, he's getting mad at her for being in the bed. I know. Listen and, to Tammy Wynette again. Yeah, that song is playing. <laughs> he's pissed. Yes. He starts packing the bag. He's like, I'm going to be gone for two to three weeks, and then you're going to be gone, period. You know, and, and the, the, the song that's playing is one of my favorite Tammy Wynette songs. It's D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously not an accident that it's playing. Of course not. You know, um, and that, that he can, and, and that it just plays while he, while they're, while he's trying to tell her something. Like mm-hmm. it's, I think it is diegetic music too. It like, is. It's in the scene. Yes. 
He says, I, and he's like saying, I never told you this would work out to anything, did I? I'll send you some money. It's all I can do. I'll call you from up there, maybe. Right. I'll call you from up there. Maybe I'll, I'll call, try you. To call you. I'll try to call you. Oh, my God. He Man. says, I'll try to call you to her like five times throughout the film. Yes, he does. Just say, I'll call you. I know. Not, I'll try. Oh, that sucks when do it's phrased that Do or do not. Way. I know. Yes, I mean, exactly. You know, like the whole idea of I will try to call you. I mean, like, what does, how am I supposed to take that? That just says you're second, you're second class to me. Exactly. I don't care. Yeah. If, if I get around to it, yeah, I'll try to do it. I mean, I'm not going to try that hard, but yeah. This is supposed to be our life together. <laughs> and you're going to try to call me? Well, right, Well, yeah. don't do me any favors, your grace. I understand it's 1970 <laughs> and I can't FaceTime you anytime I want <laughs> yeah, at the drop exactly. of a hat. Exactly. But... Don't say you're going to try to call me. Call me, you Ima- motherfucker. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine if someone says, I'll try to text you. Yeah. You know, it's like... It's, yeah, maybe I'll text you later. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I mean, how how much how much contempt do you have for me? You, know? you, want, you want to come hang out this weekend? Well, I'll let you know. Oh, oh come on. Dude. Just say no. Oh, man. Like, just the most <laughs> deflating answer you could give. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'll try to let you know. That's even worse. <laughs> I know where I stand. <laughs> Got to return that party size bag of Doritos now. (laughs) Or just eat them all yourself in depression. That's what's going to happen. You'll be sitting in bed all day like Rayette eating a family size bag of Doritos. There is no question. You'll be under the covers eating Doritos. That's what I'd be doing. Yes. (laughs) And he goes outside to the car and he throws his bag in there and he just starts flipping out, screaming, fuck, goddamn motherfucker. Right. Being pissed off at Rayette. And himself a little bit. Yeah. And he storms back inside and is like, you want to come with me? (laughs) Uh, This is that yo-yo abusiveness that they have with each other. They keep going back with back. They keep going back. Because, like, (laughs) that's that's something that, like, probably an abuser at some point feels like just the slightest bit of humanity after they've been an asshole. Is they're like, "Ah, I better go, better go make up. I better go, you know, like, and instead of just, you know, like, making a clean break. You know, and and letting this person have some kind of a life, it's like no, I'm going to let them back in and make them think that they're actually that I, right. that I value them in some and way. It, it's heartbreaking. He comes back in and says that, which you're glad that he's being nice to Ray. Yet. Sure. Um, and then she smiles like she's so happy he came in and is allowing her to come with him now. And then it, there's like this lyrical interlude that follows it, mm-hmm. where like you know she's taking pictures of him on the road. She looks so happy to be on this trip, you know, and yeah. and he's even smiling for the pictures. And you're like, she's singing in the car, and he says he loves it. He yes, he does, which is amazing. Oh, he's never said anything like that in this movie. <laughs> and Karen Black can sing. She's good. I mean, she's, she's really got good. A man. Real. She has got real pipes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, she she sounds like what you heard on country radio at the time. Yep. And, I mean, she's got it going. Yeah. And he, he refuses to help her because he's an ass. Because it's not, you know, I, oh it's not Chopin. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So now there's a broken down car on the road and he stops to help him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's two women there and he gives them a ride. And then you get this whole like very strange part five of the movie. minutes of the movie that is just this woman ranting about consumerism and how she hates the human race oh. and all this crap we're buying that's useless it sounded almost like you dave in I a felt way implicated <laughs> by by, by was like palm apodica's uh <laughs> diatribe yeah i yeah. i i really was <laughs> I, I was every different shade of red watching this scene because i'm like oh my god i i have done it's this me yes exactly <laughs> talked about ho- the movie holding a mirror up to you it like when it's more than one character boy that's a great place to be in. it's great yeah <laughs> 
She wants to go to Alaska because it's cleaner, is what she says. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she saw a picture and it was white, so which <laughs> I guess she thinks it's cleaner. <laughs> right. I don't know if that's supposed to be like a racist thing either, too. Like I, 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 don't, I don't think, think it think is. So but yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody it's just, just she saw the snow and it's yeah, pristine. Exactly. There's not as many people in Alaska, so it's it's unspoiled. Yeah, you know, it really and is. It's beautiful up there. It is. Yeah, and and. It, Palm Apodica, another great name in this movie. Yeah. She's played by Helena uh, Kalanianotis. And then Tony Basil plays Terry, her, her you know, uh, uh, hitchhiking mate. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they're a couple or not. I thought they were. Yeah. But they don't really spell it out. It doesn't really matter anyway. Vito but, Russo, uh, like, interpreted them as they are a couple. You that's know, how I, remember, I saw it. Yeah. But it doesn't matter anyway. Exactly. <laughs> She keeps going on for five minutes, a, a rant about this, a rant about consumerism. And she keeps going. And then at, at the end of every rant, she says, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is a nice bit of humor they're throwing in here. And amazingly, you, you're, you keep waiting for Bobby to like tell her to, to, to zip it. And he never does. Yeah. You know? He's just like politely listening. I, yeah. I, I'm, you're entirely amazed yep. that this guy who has never shown any manners except when he's <laughs> with his sister Partita is like allowing this to happen. Yeah. He just lets it happen. And he keeps like kind of pushing her buttons a little bit, but out of for his own humor. Oh, he's yeah, not, exactly. Like, being cruel. He's just kind of like nope. talking to her. Like, really? He finds this somehow entertaining yeah. and maybe a little informative. I don't know. Maybe then, he you know, feels like he needed to hear it. Right. And then she and Rayette kind of get into it with each other. <laughs> fighting yes. over stuff exactly <laughs> and, and rayette kind of like is right to tell her hey you can't talk to me that way yeah and and this is when finally bobby chimes in and is like hey shut up both of you, you yeah know? it's like i'm done with all three of you yeah exactly <laughs> it's kind of like oh great i had one woman to worry about now i got three I down my neck exactly and, and poor tony basil hasn't done a thing right she's over she's the corner why are you there? yelling at me <laughs> and then you get the diner scene yeah which is probably one of the most famous scenes it is and it's it's a great scene yeah it is it's written from a real experience that happened to Bob Rafelson. Yes, I know. <laughs> Where they had no substitutions on the menu at this diner. And all he wanted was like a side of toast. So in the movie, <laughs> Jack Nicholson orders like a, a sandwich, like a chicken sandwich. Chicken salad sandwich. On toast and tells the waitress, just hold everything. And then at the end, he's like, all right, and also hold the chicken. That way he gets only toast. <laughs> and she says, you want me to hold the chicken? And his response is, yeah, I want you to hold it between your knees. <laughs> and then he like swipes the, all the drinks and silverware off the table, <laughs> like in a rage. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. <laughs> this is this is the Jack Nicholson, man. I know. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's more of, of that persona, the, the birth of it. Um, and, and like when you look at it, of course, with 2023 eyes, the idea of, of, uh, like treating a service worker this way is disgusting. Yes, obviously. it is. You know, and if someone did this in a restaurant, I'd be pretty outraged right. myself. And you know? in the movie, I, I don't, I wasn't even rooting for him Oh no, because he course. just took it too far. Exactly. He took it way too far. <laughs> like if, if I was to encounter a diner menu where they told me no substitutions, I mean like, look, look, yeah. Okay. I, maybe I don't want potatoes. Maybe, maybe I'd rather have, you know, this, or yeah. I, can I have some hash browns or, you know, yeah. I'm always like every time, thankfully nobody does this anymore. Now you tell them, tell them what <laughs> Most you want. Most places just they'll give make you what you, you want. They'll make you what yeah. you want. Yeah. Um, like to have, to be so uh, like hard and fast about the rules is bullshit. Yeah. You know, but like, man, you don't have to like tell them to put 
chicken hold it between her knees, you know? It's it's them fighting the system, man. It is, it's, I know. You know, it's 1970. <laughs> We're changing Hollywood. We're breaking the rules, yeah, man. That's We're right. fighting the rules. That's what this is. Exactly. You know? And it's it you're right. It's a it's a howl from a storm drain, you know. Yeah. We're we're trying to like change things up and uh, and shake things up. And like um you know the the the, the poor waitress got caught in the middle of this, you know? <laughs> Right. It's a really funny scene yes, though. Exactly. When he says that like I was laughing out loud for about two minutes, Dave, when he says the between your knees line. <laughs> I, I totally forgot that he said that, honestly. Because uh-huh. I haven't seen this movie in years. It's my it's my second favorite line in the movie. It's but so we'll, good. We'll get to my favorite okay. later. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. I was laughing for minutes out loud <laughs> at how good it was. Yes, I know. Um, and like when he when he um, had that prof- uh, like profanity laced tirade in the car before it, before when he like first left and, he, and when he before he came yeah. back and got Rayette yeah like that that whole and he's pounding the steering wheel and everything uh, that and this um, like also not just like the the birth of Jack Nicholson as a movie star and a and a, and a personality but mm-hmm. like it also kind of like brought in a new kind of way of screen acting like we we'd seen it a few times like Marlon Brando did something similar in Streetcar Named Desire yeah but like it, it was that was definitely the exception this now made it like um, you can have this kind of intensity you know yep. like the, the this real rage that we all feel um, it was okay to like you know now uh, show that in movies and have it be you know maybe in the in the guise of something that's not entirely sympathetic i mean and that's the other part of this movie too is that like the the idea of having your protagonist be a true anti-hero you know that like the audience doesn't like yeah yeah no one likes this guy right you're not rooting for him i just said you're kind of rooting for him in the scene a little bit right you, you like it but that's just because it's so entertaining and because it's jack nicholson who is just yeah. he he is an in, he is a talent you know like and yes. He's an interesting uh, person to to. I mean, I, that's why we we see all of his movies because yeah. like he is just he's so commanding. He's, magnetic, he's such a presence, dude. right? He he almost wasn't an actor. He yeah. wanted to be a producer, director, which he's done. But he, like, he wrote several screenplays. He's plays, an actor, yes. right? And Bob Rafelson is pretty much responsible for making him Jack Nicholson. I remember making him who he is. There, there was a, a documentary in IFC some years ago uh, called "A Decade Under the Influence." I think I've t- I think I've talked yeah. about it on this show. Um, it was about like seventies American cinema, and Bruce Dern was being interviewed, and he yeah. talked about like uh, when him it was him, Jack Nicholson, and Harry Dean Stanton. They were roommates in like the mid sixties in in LA, oh, trying to make it. Dang. You know, um, <laughs> and like I guess Jack was having some troubles because he he couldn't like get roles on. Uh, in movies and television because of like they at that time like you had to have a certain you had to look like rock hudson yeah you know yeah uh harry dean and and bruce were were able to like he, the way bruce turns says hell just harry dean and i just get to carry lee major's luggage on big valley <laughs> you know but like jack became a screenwriter because he couldn't get work as an actor yeah and he wrote uh the trip that peter fonda ended up making into a film um he was in a couple of roger corman uh films as well yeah um i saw the one with him and boris karloff and it wasn't until Easy Rider that he actually like had any kind of a substantial role in right. a movie that was like kind of worthy of his talent. Right. And then this one came right after it, where it's like now he's the he's the center of it. he's the leading yeah. man. And Easy Rider was like two years before this film. Yeah. And I remember the first time I saw Easy Rider, I was like, this isn't what I expected from Jack Nicholson because, like we've been saying, he hadn't became that persona no, yet. No. No. He was just acting. He was great in it, right. and you see a little bit of that Jack Nicholson-ness 
you know, yeah, in that course. role. Right. But not like you expect it to. You so. really see it here. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's. And it's weird to like say, I keep saying that it's born here, but it's like it was born fully formed. I mean, he doesn't work his way up to it. It's just there. Yeah, he, a man came out of the womb. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> like, dude. He, it was a Benjamin Button situation. <laughs> or that really disgusting, scary <laughs> SNL skit where Will Ferrell is born. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> oh my God. I completely forgot about that. I'm going to have to YouTube that again. Yes. Oh, man. oh, dude. He comes out and he's got like the umbilical cord. Oh, he's just like, <laughs> he's all like covered in jelly. Oh, man. It's <laughs> so disturbing. <laughs> awesome. Oh. So he, he kicks out these two hitchhikers yes. now. He's like, all right, get out of my car. We're right, going on. We're done. And then we get to the motel and it's just he and Rayette again. And she's all kind of in this like sexy nighty. Yeah, she's looking good. She, she's wanting to put the moves on him. Yep. And he's just laying in bed, just not wanting anything to do with her, like, always. And she keeps hinting at it. And she even says, like, is that enough of a hint or something like that to him? And he says, you know, if you wouldn't open your mouth, everything would be just fine. Which is so horrible to say. And yet she does a locking key on her lips. Right. You know, to be cute. Uh And then, you know, they do have sex. It's not a sex scene, but he goes in and kisses her and it. Yeah, the next morning. So, um, right. of course, she probably got what she wanted. Right. But you have to just insult her right before this? Yet again, I, what I, a horrible person. And I don't know how anybody can go through with it at the, after that, you know? Like, if, if you were just told right. that you, you, you're not sexy, you know? And come on, Jack. It's Karen Black. <laughs> yes, I don't 1970 know. 1970 Karen I don't, Black. What's wrong with you? I don't know what you? more he wants here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's just like... And you watch him even before he says the whole, he says the line about like, if you just kept your mouth shut and he's just got this look, he's facing away from her and we're seeing his, his face. And it's just this mask of reservation of like, (sighs) oh, he's like sighing deeply like, okay, yeah, I'm obligated here. I'm going to have sex with this lady, you know? Right. Um, Like, like it's a big chore for him. And man, um, look, if, if you don't want to. If you're such a big man, then have the scrote to end this. Yeah. You know, just just tell her this is not working out. Be respectful about it for once in your life. But just tell her, yeah. look, we're not in love and, and, and this right. isn't working. You know, confront it. Yes. Because otherwise you're never going to deal with it. Right. And it's going to be haunting you forever. You want, you want 50 more years of this? Yeah. You know, because that's what's coming. Yeah. So... Uh, then he he convinces her to stay behind at the motel while he visits his family. Ridiculous. How? I, I mean, come on, the, man. The, the, the you abuse asked that he her. heaps upon you her. You asked her to right. come with you. And then you're leaving her at this dingy motel. And he tells her that, that it's going to be like, in a couple days, he'll try to call. and Because he has to get yeah, up there I'll right now. Yeah, I'll try to call you. He does the whole try to call thing again. And he says that he has to, like, you know, kind of suss out the situation first, you know, before he can, like, bring a visitor with him. You know, Which we find out later. It's just bullshit. It is, yes. And like, in this moment, I feel like I didn't believe him either. No. I never believe anything he's saying to you, her. You can't, you know? We, we found out it eventually becomes like two weeks before he even, like, yeah. know, before she comes. But, yeah. like, he, he then goes to um, to visit his family. And it's it's in the Pacific Northwest. And I, I read, I, it took, I, it's in Puget Sound. Um, okay. Which is... Uh, like if I know you've been to Seattle, yeah, um, you know how remote it is. Like that area of the country, yeah, it, um, could be... it just feels like you're on another world. You know, yeah, um, it's so tucked away. You're on Endor, exactly, dude. I mean, that's where they filmed it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> <That's> right, right. <laughs> um, 
and like there, there's the whole there's the whole part of uh, where you put your car on that ferry. Yeah, you know, because you have to like go out to you uh, have to go to the island. Yes. where their compound is. Yes, exactly. It's it's the it's the Dupea compound. Yes, um, and they 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 perform on the mainland, but they but they compose and or they they uh you know like they learn all this stuff you know yeah. away from all of us plebs. Yeah, um, and. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so he, he gets on the ferry, goes out there, and he and he's greeted, you know, warmly by his by his family, and they're they're glad to see him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and one of the things Carl, what something that interests him right away is that Carl has a lady friend with him, mm-hmm. uh, played by Susan Onspach. It's Catherine. Yeah. Uh, Catherine is not Rayette. No. Um, she's like she's the total opposite of Rayette. She's diametrically opposed to what Rayette looks like and represents, and how she grew up. And her level of understanding, her culture, yes. everything about her is different. And uh, Bobby they're, is instantly smitten. They're both worlds, man. Yes. Like, Catherine is from his upbringing, yes. that world. And Rayette is from the world he went to to try to escape from his old old life. Right. They're, they're just personifications of those two uh, universes he exists in. Mm-hmm. And even if you didn't have Bobby's like obvious attraction for her, um, you, you you take one look at her with Carl, and you're like, "This isn't gonna work. That doesn't look right. No, yeah. this is a mismatch." <laughs> um, man, she is a real catch, and you're Ralph Waite. Even right, yes. Even without that neck brace on, it's still <laughs> exactly. Too. I love the scene when they're playing ping pong and they're talking about his walk. How it's just a, the a horrible walk. He needs to fix it. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> that walk does not go with Catherine's walk. No way. Not dude. at all. Not at all, dude. Uh, so, yeah, he obviously, we know he likes to run around on his woman. Yep. And he's obviously wants this woman. Mm-hmm. And he's that kind of a person who's just going to steal his brother's girlfriend. And, and like, even, I, I love that Carl even knows it. Because, like, there's that yeah. one moment where they're having, like, a, a dinner in the kitchen. And Bobby starts, like, kind of uh, being charming when he's doing that impression or whatever. Yeah. whatever and, like, he sees that, like, Partita and, and uh, Catherine are kind of enjoying it. And he just, like, he goes, okay, well, we got to hit the sack, yeah. you know. And it's, like, he knows exactly. He's been through this before. Yes. He's, like, oh, Bobby strikes again. Exactly. Let's go. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and... He eventually gets Catherine to agree to, like, see him. Right. Like, it's a date, technically, you know. After much pressuring. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. There, there's a lot to quit. say about all this. Yeah. Um. So he gets his date with her, and she says, I'll do it, but I want you to play. I want you to play music for me. And he, he agrees. So he plays piano amazingly well. Right. And... Says that he just thought about the easiest thing he could play, and I still sucked at it. <laughs> it's just like because he gets done playing, and and there's this great like uh, pan across the the. I room. wanted to talk about the pan. Yes, yes. it's wonderful. Uh, it starts on his face, it's close right, up, right, and it, it kind of just goes down his body, down his arm to his hands, playing up and over the piano, and then onto Catherine and up to her face and how she's looking at him, and then across the room. Through, like, the family photos that have been gathered over the centuries, I imagine, right. of his family and the, the the siblings, the father, and the grandparents, even, right. back farther and farther. And it really shows, like, this is where he came. This is a legacy he's leaving. This is a patrician family, yes. as we know. You know, like, they're American royalty in some ways, you know. And yeah. 
like upper crust Brahmin stuff. And for him to then work on an oil rig, like, like to just, to just reject it all, you know? Yeah. Um, it would be honorable if he was an honorable man, but he isn't, you know, which we thought, yeah. which we've already known, which we've already come to know from what oh, we've yeah. seen. But then in this scene in particular, when he's done playing his, the piece and, you know, Catherine says, well, that was, that was beautiful. Um, Robert. And mm-hmm. he says, he first, he says, thank you. And then he, but there's a, there's a real contempt in when he says, thank you. Yeah. And what he says after that, like you said about like, I just, uh, thought of the easiest piece I could think of. Yeah. And I played it a lot better when I was eight years old. Yeah. Um, he's like, he's shitting on her compliment and yeah. cause she had expressed what she was feeling while he was playing. And he says, uh, well, she, she like rightly calls him out for like, for like being this way to yeah. her. And he says, I faked a little Chopin. You faked a little feeling. I was yeah. like, oh, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Cause she's like, you didn't feel anything. Right. She's like, I felt something. And he says, maybe if you feel a little more, maybe it'll rub off on me. Like he's going straight in for the kill here. Yeah. Like, Hey, let's get down. Right. Let's do right. this now. And she's like disgusted by the, what he just said. Like, are you serious? I'm not here to do this. And that's what you're trying to do. And she, she leaves and she runs out like, Hey, no, fuck you. Right. This ain't happening. I'm out of here. And he follows her and gets her to have sex with them. I mean, he, after pressuring her, he really forces himself on her in, in, he in some way, you know, he, it, he it's blade runners her. Exactly. It <laughs> is. Dude. It's very much, it feels very much like that. And I don't think that the movie is even like saying that he's doing it. I, I just feel that like, like I, I don't think that the movie knows that he's doing no, something. No, right. It's not you know, being presented that way. Right. And, and it's not like as a rape. It's it's just you right. Know, it's more she's playing hard to get. Yeah, is that, that's what kind it of turns what out to be because she goes for it. Right. And she she likes it. But it does, she wanted it. She did want it, but but like it's like it starts out with what the way it starts doesn't look fully consensual. No, not at all. Know? He he kind of pushes her on the bed. Yes. He does. grabs her arms and pushes her down. And he, like okay, yeah, maybe not the best move, dude. No, exactly. Some women might like it that way, but this is your brother's girlfriend. But that's what's and, but, and then she just fucking flat out told you, "I hate your guts. Leave me alone." I know. And and if if a if a woman likes it this way, yeah. she'll she'll tell you that she wants it this way. Yeah. Like okay, be a little for it's not gonna think. And yeah, ma- the, maybe you're working it out. I know that like there's 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 weird things that, like weird sexual games people play. I know like, it happens. Yeah. There, to me, this didn't feel like any kind of foreplay. It felt no, like no. leave me alone. Just stop. I know. Just go away. Exactly. No means no. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And dude, like when he said what he said, and she said, you know, you didn't feel anything, and he says no of course i didn't i mean like that he doesn't even know how the how the like how seduction is is done yeah if she asked you um i'd like you to play for me that is an invitation to like i like you yes that's show me yourself exactly and and you did it and now the light is green in that moment you just played chopin for her and she loved it you could walk over and, and All very, you gotta do is walk over and kiss her. Probably. Exactly. Yeah, she, Don't she, even talk. No. That that that's a great <laughs> moment. But he fucks it up. <laughs> right. He basically says, "Hey, let's fuck." Right. Because he thinks that like what he just did that that like romantic overtures don't exist. You know. Right. Um, yeah. Which is like that 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 shows where his what his mind is like and and how he is with people. Yeah. Uh, the, the absolute. I keep saying contempt because I have another word for it. But I mean, like when yeah. you when you view the world this way, when you're this, I mean, like. 
at one point they, they talk about boredom. She says, she says, I'm never bored, you know? Yeah. And that's a great way to live. Yeah. You should never be bored. <laughs> you know, if you are bored, like I, I, I start to think that like people who say they're bored, it's like the height of arrogance. Yeah. There is so much to do in this life, yep. you know? Yep. If you're bored, then you're boring. Apparently. Absolutely. Yep. That's a way, that's the way to say it. Yep. Cause so. it's like, you know, cause the, and, and the cynicism, I mean, I, I just, I cannot get behind anybody who feels this way and who views the world this way. Yeah. You know? Yep. So Yeah. They have sex yep. consensually, apparently. Yes, and and it's it. We see the aftermath, and yeah. and it's like the first time we've seen like aside from from his from dealing with Partita, the way he he, he looks like he's in the he looks like he's happy. He is and happy. She looks happy. He's happy, and um, they're gonna plan on meeting again. She says, "Would you like that?" He goes, "I would love that." Mm-hmm. You know, and he yep. seems like he's actually like you know maybe this could be the start of something. Exactly. But then Ray shows up unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. Rayette shows up. Exactly. <laughs> she uh. crashes the party. <laughs> and Carl is more than happy to welcome her into the home. Why didn't you come originally? What the heck? Carl is so polite. God, he you is. Know? And he even like gets on Bobby because like he sees like Bobby sitting at the head of the table and he's just like chewing his food and like trying to like, you know, hide his his hatred for Rayette and his embarrassment. Um, yes. But eventually it starts to come out in drips and drabs. And then finally, you know, like Carl says, now don't be rude, Robert, yeah. you know, um, which is a, a very good thing to say, right. you know, because obviously he is being very rude. This is, uh, you didn't tell us that you had a girlfriend and you, you didn't tell us that you left her at this, at this dirty flop house. Exactly. With TV and uh, magazines. <laughs> what the fuck? What's wrong with you? You know? Yeah. Carl. Say something to him exactly. besides, don't be rude, Bobby. Yeah, uh, or yes, Robert. Yes. Can you imagine the word Bobby coming out of his mouth? No way, it just dude. You work. don't say that. You no. don't pronounce Robert that way. My middle name is Fidelio. I don't know what Bobby is. <laughs> right. Yeah, Bobby does not exist in this household. Um, so, yeah. And you get exactly what you expect here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big blow up. <laughs> yes. He, he's so embarrassed by Rayette and... And you get this scene where, like, they have these fancy intellectuals over. Oh, um, my gosh. To, like, you know. These stuffy, snooty philosophers. Exactly. Just, like, ivory tower assholes. I've sat around rooms where this is going on. And it's interesting. But I'm like, wow. I kind of want to be like you, but I also don't. Well, I I know what you mean. Because I I love to have interesting conversations. But I don't like intellectualizing. Yeah. um, Because it feels very cynical. And... It feels uh, like you're not really living life, right? You know, it's very s- sterile. Yeah, and it's what it's the one of the reasons Bobby rejected all this is because he he saw kind of the emptiness of of what these exactly. pursuits you know lead to, and just like his dealings with the everyday working stiff, he also feels superior to intellectuals because you know they've never gotten their hands dirty, so he finds them just like effete and useless. Yeah. And even though he's making sweeping judgments about like a whole group of people again, I think this version of Bobby is more accessible and sympathetic because he's at least speaking truth to power when he has his explosion. Yes, he is. And in this, in the scene, there's a woman who keeps saying things about, you know, just the, the universe and (laughs) existence, whatever. I don't know. (laughs) I don't even remember what she's talking about. It's, it's, he's, she's talking about modes of alienation and and all this other horse shit. Like mental masturbation is what it is. Exactly. And Rayette keeps saying things about like television. There's good stuff on TV and things like, (laughs) you know, stuff that doesn't fit into these conversations at all. Right. And 
she starts treating Rayette like crap mm-hmm. and pointing at her and right. things like that. And and Bobby admirably defends Rayette. He finally sticks up for her. Yeah. And he says my favorite line of the movie. He I, says, yep. uh, I'm sure you've got it written down too. He says, where do you get the ass to tell anybody anything about class or who the hell's got it or what she typifies? You shouldn't even be in the same room with her, you pompous celibate. You're totally full of shit. You're all full of shit. <laughs> yes, it is. It's bold in my notes <laughs> oh, right cool. here. All right. <laughs> You pompous celibate is probably one of my favorite insults ever. <laughs> yes. And he, he runs out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of calling somebody a pompous celibate. Like, you just come across this, like, sexless academic and you're just like, fuck you. That's, dude, it's so good. It's so good. I'm glad that's what you uh, yes. had for your favorite line. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and it's the only time you see him really defending Rayette oh, for know. any of anything she does. Right. Everything else she does, he's disgusted by. He's just appalled by what she's doing. <laughs> right. And like you did say, he hates these highfalutin assholes too. <laughs> yes. And maybe he hates them more than he hates Rayette, and that's why he's defending her. And he probably and he, he hates that like maybe she saw some of them in him over the years and he hates himself for that. And he sees what how these people act toward her and he's like, Oh my god, I'm that person and he's like lashing out at himself too. Yep. Man. Yeah. Uh, you learn a lot about Bobby here too. Man. It's a just, whole, just, yeah, there's a chasm of feeling behind these words. This guy is so complex mm-hmm. and he he can't he hasn't sorted anything out yet. Right. You know, like that's why he acts like this is because he's not Facing his own demons. He's just yeah. brushing them under a rug. I mean, I guess we as the viewers have like the advantage here because we're, we're, we're getting to study his habits, but mm-hmm. he's the actual, the one living his life. So he's like, that's why he's <laughs> like looking around with a flashlight trying to find what's going on. But we're actually sitting there like these intellectuals, yeah. just like <laughs> analyzing his every move going, oh, that's no good, Bobby. <laughs> no, <You know>? Bobby. <laughs> and he runs off and he like is looking for Catherine. Right? Yeah. In this scene? Yeah. You just defended your girlfriend, now you're looking for your brother's girlfriend. <laughs> dude, I know. Like, it's it's He's such an ass. I know. Exactly, <laughs> dude. Exactly. And he walks... He, I love this. He walks in on his sister, like, <laughs> getting frisky with Pricer, or whatever his name is. Spicer. <laughs> Spicer, yeah. <laughs> he's his father's nurse. Yeah, Spicer. He, this David Prouse-looking motherfucker. <laughs> And I, it's, I love when he walks in and they're like getting handsy. Yes. I love it because earlier in the movie, she's like, do you, what, do you think Spicer's attractive? Oh my like, God. It's so funny. I love that. You it's just like, the, yes. The, it's the, like she does. David Prowse motherfucker. Yeah. He's just this big 70s looking dude who's like, like he he's, doesn't he's have any. a little muscly. Exactly. He's yeah. got, he's got muscle tone and he's wearing like a, a white t-shirt and white <laughs> pants. He looks like an orderly in a nut house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Partita like likes what she sees, you know. When they're playing ping pong, she <laughs> she asks Bobby this, and he's like, "I don't know," you yeah. know, and kind of brushes it off. And then he leaves, and he's because she wants to play a game against him. He's like, "Play with Spicer," yes. And she's just like flipping that ping pong pedal, like, "Okay, uh-huh, yeah, I'll play with." It. Exactly. She calls him over. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is fucking awesome. And I love how Spicer, like, when she calls him over, he just dutifully uh, puts down the wheelchair and yes. walks over to, like, have a game of ping pong with his boss. Yep. You know, and then he's going to service he's her later. put the moves exactly. on her right here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let, he probably let her win. No doubt then, about yep. it. Yep. Very chivalrous of you. <laughs> um, but then he storms in that room and catches them in the act. 
and he starts fighting Spicer, and Spicer's so huge. Yes. He chokes out Bobby. It just, <laughs> he like has his has him in a headlock, a and it's front like face lock. lifting him up yes. off the ground, and he just levels him. <laughs> he and, drops him, and I mean, like, yeah, it, it just <laughs> he's moving through the kitchen with with Bobby in a front face lock, and like Bobby's like you know struggling and everything, trying to hit him, and like the it's just these glancing blows that are, yeah. that are like you know just being he's absorbed immune. by Spicer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And eventually Bobby just like, he kind of gets winded and like <laughs> Spicer drops him and he's kind of humiliated on the floor because he was just manhandled by this guy and everybody walks good. in and sees it. And it's good because yes, it's cathartic for them and the audience because like Bobby has had this coming and more for quite some time. Yep. We already saw him get decked by those G men, but like this one, it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> he, he actually got choked, you know, yeah, like, this, yeah. is, this is badass. Yep. <laughs> That's Spicer. He <laughs> just comes out of that room. I know. He's like, dude, he's like massaging her and he gets out and he's like, all right, I guess I got to headlock this guy. Exactly. Yes. I loved it. Yes. He it's... just, that's, that's one of his tasks. <laughs> right. Yes. He does what he needs to do. Yes. I like Spicer, dude. Yes. He's a man of, he's a man of action. Um, and he, we get a scene of him talking to Catherine after this about how he, he wants to be with her yeah. or something. And she's like, no, we alluded to this earlier guys. Uh, but she's like, no, like I can't be with you. It's not because I'm with your brother. It's because you suck, man. Yeah, exactly. I can't be with you. And she literally tells him you have no love for yourself, for your family, for others, nobody like, and, and you're asking for love in return. No way, dude. Well, it's a great speech. It's awesome. You know, and it's it's what he needs to hear, certainly. Because, I mean, like, no one's ever been this upfront with him. No one's ever confronted him this way. And, and if they have, he just gets angry. Of course. Yeah. Finally, someone who he, like, he, he, he really loves and respects Partita, but he also, he feels that way about Catherine. It just, in their in their brief, you know, like, knowing yeah. each other. Um, but he, yeah, it, it needed to be, it needed to come from someone who he thought was as smart as him. Yes, you know? Right. Yeah, because he feels almost as equal with her. Yeah. So, yeah, he's accepting it. Right. And then we get the great scene when he uh, takes his father out to the field and is talking to him. Right. His father can't talk, like we mentioned. And he brings him out there, and he wants to, wants to apologize. He wants to have a heart-to-heart with his dad that they have a rocky relationship at best, as we've kind of just picked up throughout the film, you can tell. Right. And, but uh, he starts apologizing he says, I'm trying to imagine your half of this conversation, which is just kind of like a heartbreaking yes. thing to say. Oh, man. And he starts like crying and breaking down during this. And it's just wonderful to see Bobby try to reconcile something right. for once. And he even mentions like the only way he can get through this is because his dad can't say anything to him, which implies that they've had countless fights when they try to talk to each other. Right. Man... It's a heartbreaking scene. It is. And, you know, he, he says to him, I think, even to something about, like, I, I, I don't know if you'd even be interested in what my life is, you know? Yeah. Um, and he, he doesn't explain why he did what he did, why he, you know, left their, their you know, yeah. culture and everything. But, like, um, he's been wanting to say this for a long time. And, and, like, he wouldn't be doing this if Partita hadn't, you know, like, kind of forced him to come up yeah. there, you know, or just, you know... Uh, entreated to him. And like, this is also uh, obviously, you know, Jack Nicholson here in his rookie year already this seasoned and oh, like can, can pull off such a scene like this. Yeah. Um, and, and to do it like on the seashore, 
you know, like surrounded by by like gulls that never shut up. You know, uh, it's, it's it's such a panoramic. This I know. shot is beautiful. Yes. You're not in Lee Strasberg's, you know, in Stella Adler's, you know, classroom here. Like, Mm -hmm. this is like you're out in the bush. Yeah. And he's pulling this off uh, and he's doing it against uh, like an actor who uh, can't talk back. And like, yeah, it it really is quite a scene. And, you know, it's for anybody who's ever had to like have this kind of conversation, too, with like an aging or dying parent. I mean, like where where you're pouring your heart out and it's it's the last time you're ever going to see them. I mean, it it obviously affects everybody watching it that way, too. And one of my favorite things in this speech he gives is he asks his dad, he says, are you all right? And when he says that line, I just, it tears me down, man. Yeah. Like he actually cares about how his father is is doing, right? Like he says, are you all right? Yeah. And he knows he can't get a response to him, but he is actually concerned with his, about his father's well-being. Yeah. Which is so amazing because you never would think of that. He hates his father is what we've come to believe. But no, he loves him. Right. He really does. <laughs> he just can't show it. And I mean, you know, we, we've made allusions earlier to like, you know, maybe the pressure that, that his father put on him, you know, for music and everything. But I mean, was there anything specific that was said that, that where, where it was like it was like a moment? Exactly. Because I, I can't. I, think no, I don't think right so. Now. I don't think they're, they They don't say anything about it right. in the movie. It's just implied there was some something that happened and he just left. Right. I don't know. Um, and I, I, I wonder though about, about the pressure itself. Like, like, was it pressure that was actually put on him or was it pressure that he like, uh, like inferred? That's interesting. Know? It's um, probably a little of both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like he wants to live up to his father's expectations, Yeah, but he just, that's not who he is, but he wants to. Right. And that's why he's so confused and angry all the time. Like that's that that's the core of what's driving him. Yeah, of course. In this, yes, which is why this apology scene is so impactful. Right. Um. And when they filmed this scene, apparently Bob Rafelson didn't even like watch it. He was on set, like turned around because he didn't want to distract Jack Nicholson. Oh, wow. one bit. Okay. And the story goes that after he's crying and done, and all, it's like silent, and he's not looking. So Bob is like, Jack. You done? <laughs> and Jack Nicholson's like, what? You weren't even fucking watching. <laughs> like blew up on him. But that, that was the take, man. Nice. <laughs> he was so mad at him. He's like, I just gave the best performance of my life. And you weren't even watching me to see if it was good. See, like, <laughs> like of all the turmoil on a, on a William Friedkin set, it's yeah. so nice to hear about like seventies filmmaking. That's this charming where right, it's like, yeah. okay, that's an actual pleasant story. You know? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Right, it wasn't he went up and slapped him to get him exactly, to cry. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Fired yes. a gun in the air. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, excellent scene here, yeah. man. Yeah. Excellent. And then, so now, this is pretty much the end of the film. They're, they leave the, the house. Right. They say their goodbyes. And, you know, like, he... <sighs> Partita, like, uh, you know, comes up, hey, what you're gonna, you were just gonna leave without saying goodbye to me? And, you know, and they, they have yeah. a, a nice little back and forth. And then, you know, um, Rayette, like, like very nicely you know invites part you know c- yeah. come over and down and see us when if you're ever down in our in our area you know and she's like oh yeah, yeah sure that that sounds great yeah and you know it's again more of like you know rayette trying to like leech affection out of bobby and he is he's just lost his chance with with Catherine, and he's about to lose his father um he's probably not going to see uh his sister for quite some time so he's miserable 
and he pushes her away. Yep. And she full on tells him, you know, you keep doing this and eventually you're not going to have me anymore. Yep. Um, and obviously nobody's going to love you like the way I do. Nobody will love you like I do. No one will. Yep. And I believe her. Yeah, totally. (laughs) No one's going to put up with that. Absolutely not. Um, and they go to this gas station and this is like, uh, I, it, you know, we, we've talked about a million times about like how this is the most famous thing in the film. This is the most famous. And like, yeah. obviously this, the ending of this, this film. Yeah. The number one thing. It is. Because like all the things we've been talking about, like how does he have the guts to actually go through with, with leaving, with ending this relationship? Yeah. Now, spoiler alert, he does, but not in like the correct way. Yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't say what he's feeling. He just says nothing. And she wants to go into the gas station, into the cafe to like get something. And he, she asks if he has any change. She said, he says no. And he just gives her his wallet. Yeah. And then he goes in the bathroom. He takes his blazer off, looks in the mirror for a while. Enigmatically, you don't know what he's thinking about. Yeah. And he comes out and this truck pulls up this lumber truck and he hitches a ride uh, with this guy and he leaves. Yeah. He's leaving her with the car and his wallet and never to see her again because this guy's headed like the other way. Yeah. Probably up to Alaska. Yep. That's what he says. The, the, yes. We, it's a wide shot like outside of the gas station right. where you, you don't hear him talking to the trucker, but you see him talk to him and then he gets in. Right. And then we get a shot in the cab. He's in the cab. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to Alaska. It's going to be cold. You can wear that jacket. And he's like, I don't want it. Right. You know. And then we go back to that wide shot and see the truck pull off down the highway and you see Rayette in the parking lot, like looking around. Yep. And it is so sad to see her looking like, where is he? Right. He's just fucking up and left. She doesn't know this. Not yet, but she's looking for him. And in that situation, you'd probably wait like 10 minutes while they're probably in the bathroom, you know? And yeah, like, but that's that in that 10 minutes, they're out of your life. You see her walk out of frame towards the bathroom at one point and then... Because as this happens, like the credits start to play, right? Is it yep. during the scene? I think it it's, is. It's like yeah, as, as when the when, when the when truck he pulls is away, the credits the, the, hit, but you still see yep. the scene. Yep. And you see Rayette walking around, wandering, trying to find him. And it's so sad. He just left in the most pathetic way possible. Absolutely. What a scared little shit boy. hundred percent. Oh my god. Hundred percent. I know. He didn't face this in any way. He's learned nothing. No. You know, like we, we boy, you know, we, we keep saying confront your I, issues. I know. Yeah. No, this, this isn't going to solve your problems. You just made things worse. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's 1970, which means you could disappear this way without a trace. Oh yeah. He's going to Dexter up there, man. Exactly. He's just yes. Fucking chop wood. It, it's what I thought of when I saw the wood truck <laughs> and the Alaska stuff in Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, he's, he's just pulling a Dexter. Um, but, yeah. You know, she, she couldn't text him. She couldn't, she couldn't like, you know, maybe she'll if, try to call him. Maybe she, uh, try to call. But like, what would you, how, yeah, where, you where would you start? You can't. He's gone. Right. Where'd he go? Even if he calls like as remote as his family is like th- he's going somewhere even way, you know, like way more off. The right. Grid. And this, this is the end of the movie. Like then it eventually goes black. Right. Uh, the end of the movie. Uh, I imagine she probably went back to the family's house. I, yeah, definitely. At one that point. That was her first move. Um, that's probably where she went first. And then after that, just who knows, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, but this ending, it's so famous because audiences had never seen anything quite like this. Right. This ending affected me pretty much the same way it affected audiences in 1970. Yeah. Like I said, this is one of the first real 
art house movies. I, I don't even know if you want to call it art house nowadays, right. but like true, like good, thoughtful cinema, not just you know candy for your eyes. No, no, this expects a lot of you. Yeah. So this punched me so hard when I saw. I was like, "Is that really what happened? Right. Holy shit! Right? No, no, you can't do that." I mean, but and, they did, and audiences yeah. seeing it for the first time today are still asking that question. Yes, They're they going, are. What? He's gone. Apparently, he just left her there. Apparently, when they they premiered this, like the crowd in the theater was just jaw dropped. Right. Like no mm-hmm. silence throughout the whole thing, man. It, dude, <laughs> the, the whole credits just not a sound. Right. Just in disbelief <laughs> that this man left the woman like this, and of course. She's pregnant, that which they don't really mention much. Even after the conversation with Elton, it's not brought up again. Not at all. You know, but we know she is. Yeah. that just makes it worse. Yeah, and and I, it, it's it's a brave move, obviously, to have that because it, it's like really calling out um, men who do this every day. Oh yeah, it you is know? not glamorizing any of this. No way. It's chastising them. It's saying, dude, look how awful this is. Right. When I say it happens every day, it happens every minute. You know, like, like mm-hmm. there are so many people like all over the world who, who like so many women all over the world who, who are in relationships like this and who are just left yep. and who are mistreated, obviously. And, yeah. you know, um, and I, I, I can see someone like Bobby who, who would watch this movie and take the exact wrong message from it, which oh, has yeah. happened, you know, like yeah. with other stuff all the time. Um, and you know, obviously very, they'd be, they sympathize with, with everything Bobby does. And, and, you know, uh, and even if they don't cheer for him in the theater, they, they, they'd come away with it going, well, yeah, he was totally justified, right. you know? And, right. Uh, yeah, that, that's, they starship that's really troopers depressing. it, man. Yes, exactly. Um, they, they saw the wrong movie. Yeah. Kill the bugs. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They saw the wrong movie. That's a good way to put it, Dave. <laughs> um, I just like the note, uh, in my notes here, my last note says credits, motherfucker. <laughs> Cause that's what it's like. Yes, <laughs> it's like, yep, that's it. Credits. You get them. <laughs> right. Take it and leave it. Um, anything else, Dave? Um, just that like, uh, I, I realized, um, I, I didn't do fully the homework on it, but in my memory, I think this is the first time Jack Nicholson's been on our show. Ooh, maybe um, we'll have to research that. Yeah, well, I I, I can't remember really? ever really like have doing we done a movie the Departed. No. no, we haven't done that. We, have, just think, we haven't done The Shining. We, we haven't done we haven't done like Batman or no. anything. No, you the, might be right. The biggest, maybe the biggest movie star Hollywood <laughs> has ever had in the last fifty years, and he this is the first time he hey. was on Dudes on Movies. Hey. Uh, I'm glad he's on it now. I mean, it's finally happened, and wow. we can put that one to bed. Okay. So, you know what's going to happen now is that we'll probably have him in 18 movies in a row now. And, and just un, unplanned. It's be, just going to happen. Well, because it was a blind spot for us, yeah. and, and like you know, <laughs> we, we needed to acknowledge the existence of Jack These F. trends Nicholson. happen to us. Like All of a sudden, we'll have a guy's ass in every movie. All of a sudden, <laughs> yes, right. this happens. This character is in everything. I know. Like, it just happens to exactly. us somehow. Yes. So. Dudes on Incest happened accidentally. Oh, my gosh. Well. That was yes. probably the worst one. It was. That was the most unfortunate, <laughs> you know, uh, era of ours. Yeah. Recently, the fail son trend was good. Yes. I like that. Yes, exactly. Because that was interesting. But, uh, <laughs> all right, man. Well, I guess I have to ask you, would you recommend the movie? Yes, absolutely. This is an important piece of cinema, everybody. Go out and check it out. Yep. If you can't tell from listening to that episode, of course, I recommend it. This was foundational for me mm-hmm. in my cinema journey. Nice. So everybody's got to watch this movie. It is 
it is such a good movie on its own, but the importance to American cinema is just outweighed. Absolutely. Like, not never outweighed. So check it out, everybody. Check it out. Yep. So that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. Rate it and review it, and most of all, share it. It gets more dudes listening to the dudes, and you can go to dudesonmovie.com and find anything you need right there. Yes, and we're on Facebook and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies, and our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. All right, and Dave, we have a question of the week. What is the question of the week? What movies best depict artistic male arrogance? All right, this is uh, Cinema 4010. Or some crazy level like that. This <laughs> yes. is a tough one, people. <laughs> right, exactly. Give us some good ones. Uh-huh. Uh, call in at our voicemail, 628-400-DUDE. That's 628-400-3833. And let us know. And stay tuned next week for 1995's Desperado, directed by Robert Rodriguez and starring Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. Next time.